0: have you ever been so sure of something that you have acted as though it would happen even before it happened have you ever been so sure like that um it's going to be weird because i'm going to have things on the back screen but you're not going to see it um the back screen is working as you know um there may be one or two times when I may have you turn around and look at something. And uh, so those of you who have neck problems, don't worry about it. Um, um, but some of you may like this, um, this first slide. So can you look, look at that real quick? Okay. All right. You may like that. Now you can turn around. All right. That's good. <clears throat> have you ever been so sure of something that you acted as though it would happen even before it happened? Why do I have that up there? Let me share this with you. For those of us who are Buckeye fans, uh, 2014-2015 was a a once-in-a-lifetime season. As is the case, though, with all championships teams, there were numerous obstacles that the team would have to face. Just go down memory lane here with me for a second. Three and a half weeks before the season began, the Probably the front runner for the Heisman candidate, Braxton Miller, the quarterback, was injured with a season-ending injury. He was gone, and you can imagine the hopes of the team. Second-stream quarterback J.T. Barrett, redshirt freshman who had really no real experience, had to step in. But even with an early loss, they were able to manage one win after another, positioning themselves to have a legitimate shot at making the first ever college football playoff. Quarterback J.T. Berry, the second string quarterback, now he exploded onto the scene, setting OSU and Big Ten records, becoming a leading Heisman candidate in the process. However, in the final game against that team up north, J.T. Barrett broke his ankle ending the season. On the brink of an incredible post-season run, the Buckeyes now had to go to their third-string quarterback, Cardell Jones, and for all intents and purposes, the season was over. And as if all that wasn't enough, on the day after that, an OSU football player named Costa Cara George, who had been missing for several weeks from the team, was found dead of an apparent suicide. And the team was left reeling in the aftermath of that. If the team was going to make any kind of historic postseason run, they would have to do it facing three teams: Wisconsin, Powerhouse, Alabama, and high powered. Oregon, they would have to face these three teams not with their first-string quarterback, not with their second-string quarterback, but with their third-string quarterback. And on, all, on top of all of this, they had to attend the funeral of one of their own. What's the point to my story? In the midst of all of this, I heard stories of OSU fans who so believed in their team that they not only purchased tickets for the upcoming Wisconsin game, they also purchased tickets for the Alabama game that they weren't guaranteed to go to. They also purchased tickets to the Oregon game, the championship game, that they were not guaranteed to go to. They even purchased their hotels and uh, the rentals, the car rentals, and everything in advance. Why would they do that? Before any of those games were ever played, all the hardships and all the obstacles that were pressed with the team, how could fans do that? They had so much faith in their team that they were willing to show it. Now that's faith, isn't it? That's faith. Continuing in our series of "This Is War," those of you who haven't been with us for a while, or if you're visiting, we've been in a series called "This Is War." We left a prayer ministry, we our prayer series on War Room. And we realize that if we're going to indeed go to battle on our knees, we had better be prepared. And so we're now launching into this series on the armor of God. And this is war. So let's read in Ephesians 6. We'll catch up a little bit, starting with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Verse 14, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And our focus verse this morning, verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Our next piece of armor that I want to talk about this morning is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Whenever we talk about faith, probably one of the most popular verses is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, what exactly is it? Think about that for a second. What exactly is faith? Is it just believing in something or is it self-deceiving? Like the words of a song that I know, is it inventing childish dreams just to get us through, just to get us through some of life's most difficult moments. Faith typically does not become an issue until we face some kind of a hardship and trial, right? Typically it does not really come into play unless we are challenged, unless some difficulty is upon us. One of the most common things that people will try to say during those times is they'll go up to someone, they'll just say, just keep the faith. Keep the faith. Well, I thought about that the other day, and if you think about it from a different angle, is is that really what faith is, something that you keep? Typically, when you keep something, you hold on to it, you internalize it, it stays with just you. Nobody else knows about it, nobody else sees it, it just stays with you. Is that how faith works? Is it something that we just hold on to and internalize and never to be expressed in our lives? Now, we know what people are trying to say when they say keep the faith. We understand the intentions behind that. But I believe that faith, hear me on this, I believe that faith is one of the most overused yet underutilized words in Christianity today. Let me say that again. It's one of the most overused yet underutilized words and concepts in our world today. We just read where Paul here tells us to take up the shield of faith. Back in those days, uh, the ancient Romans, they typically had two kinds of shields. They would have the one that was round and was about the size of a trash can lid. And there wasn't a whole lot of protection. At least your entire body was fairly exposed if that's what you were using. More than likely, I don't believe that that's what Paul was referring to. But what Paul was referring to... Uh, there's only gonna be two times, two more times when I ask you to do this. That right back there is what I think Paul is referring to. Alright? That kind of a shield. You see how big that is? It's like a two foot by four foot shield that the Roman soldiers would use at that time. Shaped more like a door. Large enough, they said, that if, if a soldier was able to crouch down and get behind that shield, it would cover his entire body. The shield was made of planks of wood that they would fuse together. Then it was covered with a layer of a canvas type material. And then over top of that was a layer of leather. And then on top of that there were parts of metal that was placed into the shield and around the edges of the shield. This made the shield able to withstand an onslaught of battles and strikes with the sword and kicks and just intense battle, that shield oftentimes would save their life. I believe this is the image that Paul was trying to get across to us when he says, take up the shield of faith. When we face the enemy, put that in your mind. Going back to what I said earlier about faith being one of the most overused yet underlies concepts today, why would I say this? Many of you have things like this in your home. The other day I was preparing for this down in my office and this message, and uh, we have, uh, some of you have it, this is like, uh, it's, they have different pictures around areas and they find F-A-I-T-H, faith. And it has our scripture, Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is assured of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Many of you have those type of things in your home. Here is another one that was hanging up. Faith does not necessarily make things easier, but it makes them possible. Good statement, isn't it? Some of you have statements like that in your home, on your wall, but... Let me emphasize that faith is not just something that you write out on a board and hang it on your wall. It's not just a word or a saying. It's not something that you put on jewelry or some kind of decorative fancy plaque. It's not something that you just read in a Chuck Swindoll or a Jesus Calling devotional. Plain and simple, faith is an action. Did you catch that? Faith is an action. It's not something that we necessarily keep and only internalize. Yes, faith must begin in our hearts and minds, but then it must be expressed through our actions. The kind of faith that Paul is referring to here is a doing Is a doing what we believe God is telling us to do, no matter how risky it might be, no matter how intimidating the circumstances might be. It's choosing not to be anxious simply because God said so. It's choosing to not be fearful simply because God said that He would take care of us. We can... All say that we have faith, but it doesn't affect. But if it doesn't affect how we live, church, our faith is empty and it's worthless. Is that true? That is true. Just think about it. I probably have done this and I probably have said this at different times in my life. I have faith. But I don't give it to God. If we have faith, then our actions are going to show it, right? Um, I think I may have said this before. We can say that we have faith, but yet when we allow worry to get to a point that is detrimental to our lives, are we not flirting from being a person of faith to being an atheist? Because an atheist believes there is no God and if we say we have faith but our actions are not affected then we're about the same as an atheist. I thought of this the other day that whenever you are tempted to become a warrior that's when you need to become a warrior on your knees. See, that's what faith can do for us. Faith. You see, the Bible tells us that by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham left his homeland to live in a land not his own. By faith, Abraham offered up his son on the altar. By faith, Moses lifted his staff in expectation before a single wave rolled back. By faith, Daniel, knowing that the lions were waiting for him should he continue to pray in public, by faith, Daniel prayed anyways. By faith, Joshua and the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho seven times before one stone began to shake and crumble. You see, by faith, these men built, they left, they lived, they offered up sacrifices, they lifted up their staffs, they prayed anyways, they marched. By faith, they acted. They acted. And not just these only, if we had time, I'd read through the entire chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, because you will see that there are many other men and women who acted out their faith. What am I trying to say here this morning? Faith is not a passive noun or a subject. Faith is an action verb, church. It's an action verb. Are you living, am I living out my faith in a word only or indeed in an action? Are you living and acting out your faith as you go through some trial or difficulty? Is there some action you believe God wants you to take before He reveals the answer? This is how we fight the enemy of our souls. Going back to Ephesians chapter six, verse 16, look at that again. Look at that again with me. I wanted to read it again. It says, "Above all, taking the shield of faith with." which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. All the fiery darts of the wicked one. That reference right there, the fiery darts of the wicked one, whenever, whenever you research battle and ancient battles and how the armies uh, thousands of years fought, every once in a while you will see that they did indeed use fiery darts or flaming arrows. They would dip the tip of the arrow in tar or they would take a rag and soak it in oil and they would wrap it around it and they would set it on fire and they would shoot that arrow. Technique was often used. Uh, Julius uh, Caesar trying to defeat Antony, he had his uh, soldiers fire fiery darts onto the ship of Antony to try and set it on fire. We know this took place. However, the main purpose of a fiery dart, of a flaming arrow, was not to kill, was not to destroy. Now listen to this. The main purpose was a distraction and to cause chaos. Isn't that interesting? It was a diversion tactic. You see, once an enemy's formation was in chaos, the enemy then could sneak around the back and ambush them and give the final blow and the final kill. Church, this is exactly what the enemy of our souls does. He wants to launch, that's why the Apostle Paul said it in here. He wants to launch fiery darts and flaming arrows into our life so that we'll be distracted. So that we'll be ineffective in battle for the Lord. So ultimately, he wants us to just withdraw from the battle altogether. And what kinds of flaming arrows does Satan shoot at us? Arrows of insecurity, fear, doubt, temptations, anxiety and worry about what ifs in life. Stressful life circumstances, discouragement, self-examinations that leave you questioning your abilities. Guilt, hopelessness, those are all flaming arrows that the enemy shoots at our souls. Folks, this goes back to what I said a few weeks ago. Satan will customize his attacks just for you. Based on your tendencies and based on your habits, based on your past experiences and how you responded, your fears and your weaknesses that are expressed outwardly, he will tailor make an arrow just for you. He wants to tempt you with disobedience, confuse you, give you thoughts that are not God's thoughts. He wants to burden you, all things that will distract you so he can sneak up from behind. And as I said, he ultimately wants to take you down. He wants to take me down and withdraw us from the battle. There is no doubt I am talking to someone here this morning that I named one of those arrows and you said, that's me. You brought the arrow with you today. As you walked in, it was sticking out of your back. Oh, we, we couldn't see it. You're fighting that arrow. You're fighting some kind of an arrow. And you need to take up the shield of faith. Now this last part, kind of last part, is pretty cool here. Not only did the Romans use this tactic of fiery darts or flaming arrows, it was also used against them. So how do we combat against this? The Roman army had an answer for this, and it involved their shields, of course. Anytime they faced this kind of an onslaught, anytime they faced things that were thrown at them or shot at them like a fiery dart or a flaming arrow, they would get into a formation. This is the last thing that I want you to look at. They would get into this formation right there. It is called the turtle formation. Those of you who like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, turtle power, right? It was the, the turtle formation. So that's what they would do. They would get real close and they would stick their shields together and then some would put it over their heads and then they would just march wherever they needed to go and see what would happen. And in that formation, there was very little weakness there and any time an arrow would hit, it would deflect and it would bounce off. See, they used their shield to deflect that kind of a battle. However, there is another great thought here. It says in 16 taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. What does that mean? You see, the Roman soldiers would literally dip the entire shield into a water, into like a vat of water, and they would soak it. They would waterlog practically their shields in water so that if a fiery dart or a flaming arrow were to get lodged even in that formation, there is a great chance because there was so much water in that shield, it would extinguish the fire. Isn't that neat? So you can kind of get a picture of what maybe the Apostle Paul was seeing in his day and how we can extinguish He just told us we were able to extinguish, to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Church, this is how it can be for us. When Satan shoots his flaming arrows at us, we need to dip our shields into the faith of Jesus Christ. So that whenever a fiery dart hits us, whenever that temptation hits us, our faith will become active And we can extinguish all the darts of the enemy. I once heard this illustration. That at all times, before us and the evil one, God stands before us. And that every time Satan shoots a fiery dart at us. Once heard, and I I may have shared this, or it wasn't a devotional. As it's coming towards us, God will snatch it out of the air. And God will look at that dart. He will look at that arrow. And he will determine whether or not he thinks we can handle it. And if he knows that we can handle it, remember 1 Corinthians ten thirteen It says, God will not give you anything that you are not able to bear. If He, he knows that we can't, and if we can't handle it, then he'll throw it away. He'll throw it, he'll cast it aside. But he'll look at it, and if he thinks we can handle it, he'll let it go on through. But he knows that we can handle it only if we take up our shield of faith. See, it's conditional. Whenever those darts come at us, God knows what we can handle. If God led you to it, he will lead you. Easy to preach, isn't it? Easy to say, but it's true. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. Our focus passage in verse 16. If you read all the pieces of armor, which we're not going to do it again this morning, but if you read all the pieces of armor you will see that this piece of armor Paul places the most emphasis on. Everything else he just tells us to, to put on or, or just make it a part of our, but here he goes into detail. All the other pieces just put on, but this one he describes a little more. He says here in 16, above all, he doesn't say that with any of the other pieces, and he goes into description, the shield of faith, take it up. which which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all, why does he start with that? It's almost as if Paul was trying to say, look, if you don't get anything that I'm trying to say, get this. Get this, church. At least start with this piece of the armor. Why is that? Church, it's because that if you and I don't have faith, if we don't have an active faith, it won't matter. Our belt of truth is useless. If we don't have an active faith, our breastplate of righteousness is useless. If we don't have an active faith, we might as well just walk around in our bare feet because we will have no kind of godly peace in our life. Those are the ones that we've talked about. Belt of truth, shield of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of peace. None of that matters unless there is the faith of Jesus Christ to back it up. The faith of Jesus Christ empowers all that. It energizes all of that. The pieces of armor we have yet to cover will be powerless without faith. We have yet to cover the helmet of salvation. Think about that. Can you have salvation without having faith and belief in Jesus Christ? It is impossible. You cannot do that. If you want to maintain the helmet of salvation, you must continue to live with the shield of faith throughout your life taking up the sword of the spirit the word of god we know that romans 10:17 tells us that faith comes faith Amen. comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god you and i should know by now that if we don't believe what is in that book if we don't have faith what is behind that book it will bring no difference in our life it makes no difference whatsoever faith above all Make sure you get this point Paul is trying to tell us. I'm almost done. Church, any time that the enemy attacks us, if we will put up our shield of faith, I didn't say it was easy. Of course it's not easy. This life is not easy. It's extremely difficult. But he has given us the pieces of armor to equip us. In this battle. We cannot stand before God and say, God, you did not give me what I needed. God, I needed this. I needed that. No, God has given us everything that we need. To be victorious. Anytime the enemy attacks. If we will put up the shield of faith. And I'm going to. There's there's so much here about faith. I'm going to probably dig into it a little bit more next week. If we take up the sheet of faith. If we act out our faith even before we know what the outcome will be, when all common sense tells us don't do it, if we know that God is calling us to it, and we know that His Word backs it up, we will be victorious. I think I did this one other time before. But I forget exactly how far this is, so just give me a second here. All right. All right, I'm starting right here. All right, one, two. Three, four. I should have done this before I preached, I'm sorry. all right from here to where tana is the african impala an incredible incredible animal the african impala can jump to a height of 10 feet that's a basketball goal okay stand up to a basketball goal i don't know uh I don't know where that is up there, but it's, you're, you're, when, you're, when you're looking at Ryan, you know, you're probably wrong where the clock is. That's, that's about 10 feet. But they can leap a distance of what I just did right there, from that pew all the way past Steve. So an African impala can leap up to 10 feet, and they can leap across about 30 feet of distance. But What's interesting is, is that you put a three-foot fence around them and they won't move. Why is that? It's because an African impala, if they cannot see where their feet is going to land, they won't jump. They won't jump. Just put up a three-foot fence, just enough so they can't see. Three feet, that's ten feet. They can go above that. Put up a three-foot fence. Keep them from seeing where they're going and they will not venture out. They are a faithless creature. Do you see the point I'm making here? Church, there will be times when God will call us to take a leap of faith. To jump even when we can't see where our feet are going to land. scary, isn't it? That's dangerous. Don't allow Satan to trap us by having an inactive faith. There will be times to where God's word and spent time alone with God in prayer, and he will greatly impress upon you, I want you to do this as a church and as individuals. I want, but God, I can't see where my foot's going to land. I, didn't, I don't care. Leap. But God, I don't know. Leap. But God, I've got this. Leap. Be a person of faith. Dr. Tony Evans, I'll give you this quote and then I'm done. Mandy, Joyce, you can come up. Dr. Tony Evans, he said this. Some of you may want to write this down. You can come up to me afterwards. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, so that it may be so, simply because God said so. I am going to say that again. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, so that it might be so, simply because God said so. Father God, I've done my best for you today. God, would you help me to be a person of faith? Help me to take up the shield of faith, God. I don't know how this message has impacted those in here. I know, God, (laughs) there are those in here that have brought their arrows with them and they're having a hard time dealing with the fiery dart. God, you're telling them to do the exact opposite of what they're feeling. Maybe there's someone in here this morning that, Or telling you, God, I can't see where I'm going to land. And you're saying, have faith in me. Do what I'm telling you to do. Then you'll be able to extinguish that dart. You'll be able to take that dart out of you and throw it and cast it to the side. And you can become victorious. Because I have said so. Thank you, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.